This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, I've got a special guest on the podcast today. His name is Riley Meek. So Riley is an entrepreneur, an author, and a speaker, and he runs the King's Council. So the King's Council, it's a community of high achievers, right? So you've seen some things like this before, but it's high achievers, entrepreneurs, athletes, leaders, you know, people that are really getting after it, but they are people that are focused on discovering and deploying their God-given talents. Okay. And so that's the thing with a lot of these different groups where it's like, oh, you know, hey, you read this self-help book and now you're going to come be a part of this group and we're going to hop on Zoom or something like that. And there's no real scaffolding. There's no real uh, direction or something like that. But this is literally so that you can deploy your God-given talents so that, you know, while you're here on this earth, you can squeeze out literally every single little bit of who you are to serve Christ the King to serve God. Like that's really what they're out here doing. So he also has a podcast uh, by the same name, the King's Council as well. He's got the Upper Room, which is a mastermind group, which I didn't know about until we did the podcast interview. So that's a Kingdom Entrepreneur Mastermind. So it's literally, it's a mastermind group, but it is for Kingdom Entrepreneurs. But he did something actually really special in this podcast. So again, this is a guy that is an entrepreneur. He's done incredibly, incredibly well in business. And, you know, we talked a little bit off, off air about some different things that he's working on. It's really, really awesome. But he made an offer just to our Undaunted Life listeners that is incredibly, incredibly unique. So I don't really want to take his thunder. It's about, I, I think it's about 45, 50 minutes into the podcast, but it has to do with the Upper Room Mastermind Group. And so I don't want to, you know, basically steal any of his thunder because again, I wasn't, I didn't know that he was going to do this. So it was really cool. But when we got into the interview, I, th- I thought it was great, the, the different things that we talked about, because I've never had anyone on here that was just strictly like an entrepreneur kind of building out things because a lot of those people are really squishy and they just... I don't know, like everything is kind of a bumper sticker slogan or something like that. But Riley, I'm glad he was kind of the first person to come and talk about this because he's expanded my uh, understanding of what entrepreneurship is and how it goes kind of beyond your wiring as a person, but specifically what it means to be a faith-based entrepreneur and not just faith of any faith, but being a Christ-centered, gospel-centered entrepreneur. What does that look like? Because a lot of people think, you know, Christians shouldn't be making money from other Christians and maybe Christians shouldn't be making money at all because money is the root of all evil as opposed to the love of money or the worship of money being at the root of all evil. So we talked about that that dichotomy there, but we got into a lot of other subjects. Like I asked him about the prosperity gospel. I'm just kind of looking at my notes here, like the prosperity gospel and how a lot of people think like whenever Christians start talking about money and then they start, you know, they become a Christian and then they start doing well in business, how, you know, that's really dangerous. So we, we get into that, how God really doesn't need our money, but also like how are kingdom entrepreneurs feeding themselves? Like, who are they around? What are they doing? What are they studying? What's their focus? And there was a lot of other stuff that we talked about. So guys, I don't want to keep them from you any longer. So without further ado, let's get into it. Riley Meek, welcome to Undaunted Life of Man's podcast. Hey, brother. Happy to be here. Hey, now you flexed off camera before the interview. Are you willing to do it now that we've got a record of? Boom. Let's go, guys. For those of you just listening to this, he's got beautiful tan biceps. So I had to make sure that he showed them off. But I'm excited to have you on, Riley, because... Whenever I'm looking at different interviews and bringing people on 
you know, there is a type of guest that I really like to bring on that I know my audience is going to love. They love it when I talk to guys that are retired military. They love it when I talk to these best-selling authors and things like that. But I always try to find people that are unique to a particular category. Like I've had a, a magician on here before. I've had, you know, a theologian and I've, I've had all, a bunch of different things. But one thing that I'd never really had is somebody that part of their brand is just being an entrepreneur in general. Now we'll get way more into kind of what you feel like is the scaffolding underneath why you want to be a successful entrepreneur, but let's just kind of talk about that in general, because you're speaking to an audience that is, I would say mostly people that are working kind of your typical nine to five, you know, putting in the hours, maybe they're in a cubicle, maybe they're in the cubicle right now. Listen to this. We appreciate you guys, but that's kind of what they're doing and maybe what they're wired for, but you're doing something else. And that's kind of what entrepreneurs are like. So let's just talk about entrepreneurship. You go. Dude, how much time do I have? Because I, I can I can roll with this. We got topic. all the time. I'll interrupt you if you start sounding dumb. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I love it, man. Well, first off, entrepreneurship. I, I always people always have a a preconceived idea or what they think is their own understanding or definition of entrepreneurship. So let's get this out the gates. Like foundationally, entrepreneurship, what I believe in when I speak of it, this is where I'm coming from entrepreneurship is simply a, a mindset that we have here. And, and what I mean by that, if you actually go to the, the root word of entrepreneur, it is a French word. Um, I'm not even going to try to say it, but it's like, all right, I'm going to try to say it. All right. It's, it's like entreprendre. Ooh, right? entreprendre it sounded good. Sounded right? pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Oui, oui. Uh, so entreprendre, all that literally means is to undertake right? That's the, the root word of entrepreneur means to undertake. So if you're an undertaker, you can be an employee, you can have a, a nine to five job, whatever it is, you can be a stay at home mom, a stay at home dad and be an undertaker, right? So that's, that's the idea of entrepreneurship is that I'm willing to undertake the task at hand, whatever the heck that is, right? If it's raising your kids, if it's sparring on the mat, whatever it is, like we're going to go at this as, as an entrepreneur. And, and that's really how I've approached life since the age of 15. And, and that's essentially what started my, my kind of journey of entrepreneurship, man, was when I, when I took my first job at, at, so I was 15 years old. I grew up in South Dakota. Okay. Shout out to the 14 people in South there Dakota. You go. <laughs> South Dakota, the, the only uh, the town I grew up in was like 900 people. The only job, the opportunity that I had to make money was, was at our gas station. It was to make pizza mm-hmm. and it was for $5 and 15 cents an hour. And I thought, all right, this is what I got to do. I worked an eight hour shift. And then I was like, there's no way in hell I'm doing that again. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, a, a that point in time was that mindset shift in, in the real realization for me was, uh, what got me was from an entrepreneur mindset, it was that somebody put that dollar amount on my time. Right. And not even that, that they did that, but it was that I allowed it. Right. I knew even at a young age, not in an arrogant way, but I knew that my time was worth more than $5 and 15 cents an hour. Right. And, and that, that's what started my journey to, of really what this entrepreneurship lifestyle has, has been like over the last what am I? 37 now, man. Um, so for the last like 22 years or so, uh, it has really just been like, all right, what, wh- what is the task at hand? And I'm going to crush, I'm going to do whatever I'm going to be my best version of excellence. And it doesn't mean that I win everything or I'm, you know, quote unquote successful at everything, but I'm going to be 
excellent in everything that I put my hands to. And, and that truly is, was what I believe entrepreneurship is willing to take risks, right? Willing to roll the dice that others aren't. And, and if we are, if we continually be the, those trailblazers in the entrepreneurship space, we're the ones that are going to change the world, right? It's not the, some, somebody that's just sitting around collecting a paycheck, sitting in the cubicle, no offense if you're in a cubicle, but I am going to challenge you on this podcast to, to think bigger. Like there's more to life than just sitting in your cubicle working this nine to five right now. There's absolutely more to life. You are called to greatness because greatness is what created you. And 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 that's really the, the mindset that we have. Everything that we do, man, starts with our mindset. And and from there, once we've conquered that, dude, we can do anything from there. Well, so so Riley, let, let's dig into that a little bit further. Because I've said on on my show before that there are people that are wired for entrepreneurism and, and their own thing. And then if you put them in a cubicle, it's like putting, you know, a tiger in a cage. It's like, they just can't stand yeah. it. But the same is true in the adverse where you have people that are in the cubicle that they, they read the self-help books and they watch the Ted talks and they're like, I can be that I can do that, but they're not exactly wired for it. Right. So right. I, I would be the person that says in kind of the strict definition, the non-French definition of an entrepreneur, somebody that takes a business risk to create their own thing, that not everyone is built for that. And perhaps the mundane nature of that cubicle job that we'll use, I guess, as our central example, maybe that's where God wants them to be. And we'll get more into the faith element here in a second, but like, maybe that's where they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be in that, that cubicle. Like they're, they're doing something that is well within their wiring and they don't necessarily need to get distracted with the latest self-help book. That's seven ways to become a millionaire by Friday. You know what I mean? Yes. hundred percent know what you mean, man. And uh, dude, there's so much that I even want to unpack on what you just said, because I really do believe, and maybe this would be where we disagree a little bit. I do believe we are born entrepreneurs. Okay. Now let's again, go back to what entrepreneur, I'm not talking about going to scale a business or take a risk, roll the dice to blow up your new app or whatever that is. Yeah, Which what is I'm what people about. think of. That's where people's mind yes. goes, right? Yep. Exactly. So what I'm talking about though, I believe we're born entrepreneurs. We are born undertakers, really dating back to, to creation. What we were created to do was to work, right? And it was to co-create with our creator. That's, that's part of our, our like God given mandate to, to go forth, to be fruitful, to multiply, to have dominion on this earth. Yeah. And, and so what happens particularly in this last century Right. And this is what, dude, I geek out to this so much. Just think about like over the last 2000 years, different segments of society and of culture and what's taken place from really, here, here's a stat that you'll like, man. In 1913, 97% of Americans were entrepreneurs, meaning they owned their own business of some sort. In 1913, 97%, that is, and 3% were actually employees. Right. That's been completely reversed right now in 2022. 3% of Americans are entrepreneurs and 97% are employees. And so what's happened is, uh, as we've seen, you know, through the Industrial Revolution, it was like smart people, wealthy people realized snap, I need some, I need some workers. I need some worker bees. I need to create um, employees. I need people that don't think for themselves. Again, this isn't a shot if you're an employee. I'm talking about an employee mindset versus an entrepreneur mindset that that just will will do what we say. When the bell rings, they'll take a seat. 
when it rings again, they've got a, a 15 minute water break, right? I'm talking about the school system today and how we've completely been indoctrinated from the time we turned five, entered kindergarten yeah. on working a, a on basically creating employees and and putting oppressing, I'm gonna even call it this idea of thinking for ourselves, thinking outside of the box. Like, you know, and dude, a, a prime example of this is is the Lego company. Mm. And I don't know if you want me to go down this road, but this is where this is where yeah. I'll take it, Kyle. The Lego company in the 1980s was freaking going bankrupt right now they're a multi-billion dollar company 1980s they're going bankrupt because if you remember legos when you and i were little right it was like you just got a set of them and you had to do what create you had to think outside of the box i'm going to build the city i'm going to build a car whatever it was you had to build something from scratch entrepreneur mindset right in the 80s through now what has been probably two generations essentially of, of kids going through this indoctrination process of like don't think for yourself, do what I tell you, follow directions. And, and, and that's ultimately when the Lego company was like, all right, what are we going to do here? Lo and behold, you can't buy a Lego set today. You buy a Lego kit that mm -hmm. gives you turn by turn. Step one, do this. Step two, do this. Step three, open the next pop bag. It's, it's literally, so Lego company realized and props to them, man. Like they, they realized they had to, people don't buy what they need. They buy what they want, right. From a sales mm -hmm. standpoint. So they had to, they had to produce something that people wanted and they wanted step-by-step -step instructions on what to do, how to do it, when to do it, to build this, you know, beautiful pirate ship or whatever the crap it was that they're building. And, and it, it's, it's just a proof of the indoctrination or just the creativity that has been taken outside of the school system that has produced employees, AKA 97% of our population now versus the 3% uh, of, of, of outside the box thinkers, creative thinkers that are, that are not willing to just do what others are telling to do and to not be that, that sheep led to slaughter, right. But to actually undertake, to take whatever it is, that task at hand and to actually go at it with excellence. Okay. So, I, I feel like you're pulling me towards your point of view a little bit, which okay. I don't like that necessarily because I, I want to be firmly entrenched in my position. No, like, no, but uh, a couple, a couple of quick things. Number one, I love how people from your area say uh, like things like bag or tag, or like, I just love, it just comes out like there's nothing you can do to stop it. So that's the first thing. Second thing, I'm going to go back to the school system. Okay. So that's, that's kind of where you really first started getting me to maybe come over to your point of view is because our school system, and I know a lot of people have done a lot of thinking on this and a lot of writing on this, and so I'm kind of giving it short shrift, but the the school is trying to like basically systematize uh, employee mindsets, right? Yeah. Like let's get these people to know these particular things in this particular order and we'll build upon it. And the best you can do, like I remember this kid named, named Nick that it was in my third grade class that he was advanced in math. And so he was doing sixth grade math in third grade. And so that's your best bet in school is that you're advanced in a subject. And then, you know, for an hour a day, you go to the big kids class and do something a little bit more advanced, yeah. but there, there certainly isn't this encouragement of thinking for yourself, of thinking outside the box. And to a degree, 
if you only have a chaotic, you know, schooling system that just lets kids run ragged and, you know, it's kind of like this open, you know, open free range, like parenting and, and teacher style, that's not great either. At some point you right. got to sit down and, and learn the boring stuff so you can have that scaffolding. But I guess talk to me about that's just kind of the way it is though, Riley. Like that's, if your kids are in the government schools, right. Well, yeah. otherwise known as the public schools, that's what you're going to get. You might get something a little bit different from a charter school or a private school. Certainly yeah. if you homeschool, you can do that, but then you don't get as much of the interaction with the outside world. And so you're not getting those lessons that you learn in the hallways or in the bathroom at school versus, you know, the other stuff. So kind of get into the school thing about it as well. Cause I can tell you've thought about that a lot. Oh yeah, man. Well, first off, I would even challenge you. Do you want those lessons in the hallway, in the bathroom? Do you want your child to have those lessons, yes. especially now, right? Oh, like that's where we'll definitely disagree because like, dude, I went yeah. to a pretty rough school in a, in a decently rough area. And so like, Explains you know, I, 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 Hey, shut up, Riley. You <laughs> jerk. But like, that's the thing is like learning how to talk to somebody that is from a different background than you, different worldview okay. than you, learning how to talk your way out of a fight, learning how to defend somebody that is smaller than you. If your classmates are your brother and your sister and your teacher is mom or dad, you're not going to get as much of that. And look, I'm not hating on the homeschool right. community. I tell everybody, you have two options for schooling, vetted private Christian school or homeschool. But for me personally, yeah. I just think about all of the life lessons and how I interact with people that didn't have anything to do with chemistry class. Oh, yeah, 100%. I, I do agree with you on that. I absolutely do agree with you on that. Um, that being said, I, growing up, man, I never in my life thought I would ever homeschool yeah. our daughter because the homeschool kids are weirdos, right? <laughs> yep. That's the, that's the, the, the claim least, anyway. That's the claim, right? That was my thought. Obviously, 2020 went down and radically changed a lot of things, right? right? So I think a lot of people's perspective on, on, on schooling and homeschooling and all that had, had absolutely changed. Um, and, and there's, there's so many more, uh, opportunities, I guess now that have been created. If there's anything good out of the 2020 situation that it's created opportunities. And again, as an entrepreneur right. head on a swivel, we're constantly looking for like, how can I capitalize on whatever is at hand? How can I undertake whatever is at hand? So uh, that being said, I have a 10 year old daughter. Uh, she, this last year, we, we homeschooled her. So the year prior to that, she was in a private Christian school, which is phenomenal school. Truthfully, it was really, really great school. And we decided to homeschool her in which to this, my, my stance on this is if you are able to homeschool your child, meaning, you know, a lot of homes are, are two person household incomes, different things like that. If you're in a situation where you can actually school your child, raise your child up in the way that they should go. I hundred percent believe that you should do that. Okay. A hundred percent. That being said, we put our, we're putting our daughter back in this private Christian school this year. We took one year of, of homeschooling. It was great. It served us in our lifestyle of travel and, and just, you know, the chaos of, of business and, and part of being an entrepreneur. Um, so it was, it was an incredible time. Uh, Ellie really liked it, but she did miss because, you know, we brought, pulled her in on these conversations to ultimately we're making the deciding the decision for her as it is our responsibility as parents. But we pulled her in of like, what do you, what did you like? What did you not like? And, you know, she did miss, she's like, I really just miss school lunch, dad. And it's like, okay, yeah. 
Yeah. I can appreciate that. Now, I don't think that it, that's necessarily a strong enough reason to put her back into school, but let's talk about that. And we were able to hear her side of it. I got to go meet with the, the new um, uh, principal that they brought in and talk about entrepreneurship and all the different things that that they're providing in this school. And I, I we actually made the decision to put her back into, again, it's a private Christian community, a school that has that teaches a lot of the principles that we believe in foundationally, what, what we believe in, what would be great. So I'm with you on that, man. I do get it, but there are so many opportunities for homeschool parents right now to actually put their kids in those situations, to have those conversations in the hallways that you're right. talking about. And, and, you know, we at Ellie and, you know, we're busier as homeschool parents than we were freaking prior to, right. It, Cause we, we were intentionally putting her in situations, uh, you know, socially and, and just to make sure that all of that is, is developing. She's not just one of those weirdos that you and I grew up with. Right. Right. Well, no, like you're, you're making a lot of great points and to a degree, I'm going to say this and then we're going to get off this subject because Riley, like a month ago, yeah. I mentioned young earth creation for like. 45 seconds on my podcast and the problems I have with it and the emails I've been getting just ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. Really? Like, you need to look at this guy. You need to have this guy on. And it's just like, ah, so I don't need every homeschooler on the planet sending me angry emails or you need to talk to this guy or you need to do all that. Like, I love you guys, but I, I don't have time to do that. But it, my thing that I would say, the thing that is interesting to me, at least on the homeschool front, that I know one dad in particular, his boys, he has two boys and I have two boys, uh, but they're, his boys are like, you know, eight and 10 or something like that. They were in the government run schools until 2020. He was not happy with, with all that stuff. So they took their kids out and did homeschool and he fell in love with the entire process. Now he works and, you know, his wife is, you know, loves doing that kind of thing. So obviously personalities come into play here, but the, the cool thing for them is one kid is a little bit more, uh, artistic a little bit more free thinking and creative. And the other is very uh, tactical and compartmentalized and he, and he likes order in those things. And so they're able to kind of like really make their education systems lean towards those areas because like, does the artistic kid need to know how to do math? Yes. But do they need to go all the way through to calculus? Probably not. And like, right. you know, the systems kid, does he need to be spending a whole lot of time painting? No, he, he can probably paint a little bit so that he can at least have the experience. But that's the one thing. And also jujitsu is a part of these young kids' lives and baseball, yeah. and they're able to kind of create a life around that. Now, they're still kind of in the early stages. So, yeah, again, like I said, I'm all for two things, vetted Christian private school and and also homeschool. But, you know, that's not always uh, an option for a lot of people. But right now, what our, what our kids are being fed in class is certainly not coming from a Christian worldview. So maybe I can try that as my segue here because yeah. the interesting thing you for you, Riley, is you are an entrepreneur and you've expanded my definition of entrepreneur today so you can at least check that box. But you're, you're a faith-based entrepreneur. So yeah. what undergirds everything that you do is a Judeo-Christian ethic, a Christian worldview. Guys, if you're not watching this on Rumble or on YouTube, he has a shirt that says Jesus is King across the front. And that doesn't seem to just be a marketing tactic, but yeah. everything that you do, and I've heard you say this before in some of our personal conversations, is for building up the kingdom. And that's mm -hmm. Riley where a lot of people get really, really uncomfortable because the moment 
you start talking about money. If you're a pastor, people are sending angry emails and they're walking out. Oh, they only want my money and all these different things. And there is this kind of dichotomy in people's brains. Like, okay, there's the entrepreneurs, there's the Bezoses, and there's the Bill Gateses, and there's those people. And then there's the godly people that apparently just need to be poor in order to prove how virtuous they are. So talk to me a little bit about the faith-based entrepreneur as opposed to just being an entrepreneur in general. Yeah, man. Absolutely. I love what you just said there too, because my, my perspective of a, a Christian, right? A faith-based person. First off, I grew up in South Dakota. So it's like, you're just a Christian, like yeah. you're born a Christian. I, right? Oklahoma, no- it's You were born on the red clay. So you're a Christian <laughs> by dint of birth. I get it. Exactly. So, um, so I didn't really understand what that meant. It's just like, well, yeah, sure. I believe in God. Right. And mm-hmm. I didn't really, none of it really made sense to me. And and but my perspective of Christians were broke, broken, and defeated. Like this woe is me victim mentality that like I didn't want anything to do with, right? Why in the heck would I want that? And it and now it's like, what are what the heck were they thinking? Right? Or what I think, unfortunately, a lot of American Christians. First off, we are to have the fruit in our life that other people should want, right? If I'm going to boldly say that I'm a right. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, then I better have proof of that, right? And it's it's not not like the uh, you know I'm I'm driving a Ferrari or rocking a jet, but it's it's the confidence, it's the authority, it's the the fruit in my life that other people should want, right? And and that's from when the time I turned 15. As I mentioned, I realized I needed to become, or I was going to dive into this entrepreneurship world. I had to intentionally put myself in circles that uh, that were maybe a little uncomfortable for me, but I had to look for the fruit in other people's life that I wanted, and I just got around them. I, and sometimes, I, I literally, once a, once a month, I would drive myself up here to the Twin Cities where I'm at now uh, in Minneapolis, and I would drive five hours one way just to attend a weekend Saturday success training seminar. So what they were called once a month, I would drive up and I got exposed to things, just personal development, right? Which I didn't, I didn't even heard of that before. I didn't know that I could actually think about what I think about. Like I can actually, you know, question things or I could actually be the best version of myself. And I started to just freaking consume everything from, you know, Zig Ziglar from the sales standpoint to, uh, uh, Mandino and, and Napoleon Hill and just like these, the OGs of, personal development. But what I realized is literally everything that they were referring to was backed by scripture. Like it was in, it was in the Bible. And, and I, I got connected with a group up here the summer of would have been actually my, the summer of my junior year. Cause I graduated when I was 17. So I, I was 15. I, I came up here for a couple weeks. I just turned 16 in August. And I, that's when I had actually fully given my life to Christ uh, and, and understood that it's not about a religion or anything like that, but it was about a relationship. And that's what really unlocked me into this entrepreneurship lifestyle, this mindset and, and from there, you know, I went on to do multiple different things from a, you know, money making standpoint. Um, and we've done, you know, we've done nine figures and on, started eight separate companies. Every single one of them hit seven and eight figures within the first year of each. So we've done well financially. But here's the thing through that process, Kyle, is when I started to, to do well financially, I realized that money was money only made me more of who I already was. 
And I realized that the true transformation for me hadn't actually taken place. Was I, you know, what I believe was saved, getting into heaven? Sure. Like I felt like I had that stamp. I had that, that like radical kind of transformation, but the moment then from there, like once you give your life to Christ, people think like, okay, life's going to be great. Bull crap. Life's going to be hard. And this isn't like a sales pitch on it, obviously. Um, but it's totally worth it because now you're going through a testing and a, and a refining period in your life that God allowed me to go through, allowed me to make such stupid mistakes, allowed me to go through a divorce, allowed me to, you know, crush financially, have extreme highs, but also extreme lows and allowed me to grow through that process. And, and I realized, you know, when I, when I, money made me more of who I already was, I realized I wasn't that great of a dude. It was a great magnifier. And, and from there it was like, okay, well, what am I going to do about this? And it was for any of anybody listening money, as, from an entrepreneur standpoint, most people just kind of coincide like entrepreneur means you you must just be like money hungry. Like you just you're you're greedy, right? Especially in the Christian community. It's like, oh, you're you're greedy because money, remember, money is is the root of all evil. Like the, and that's the enemy has done an incredible job at, at warping scripture, right? Because first off, if you believe the Bible, you gotta believe the entire Bible. You don't get to pick and choose. Right. Which is what division in the church is disgusting to me with all the different denominations and things of like, oh, they think is right. And they think it's right. Their interpretation of scripture and they're pulling things based upon what they want, what their opinion is on that particular topic. And without taking a firm foundational look of like, OK, this is what the Bible says here. But this is also what the Bible says here. You got to if you believe it is the infallible word of God, you got to believe the entire freaking book and you don't get to choose. Okay. Now you can, right. And you know, that's, that's, that's up to you, but I'm going to take the stance and I'm going to read the, the, the entire Bible. And it wasn't really man until about a, a, about three years ago in 2019, where I was at my bottom. Okay. From the world's perspective, I would have been probably at the top of what, you know, not, not the top, right. But we done very well financially. We live on a, you know, a beautiful home on the lake and from the outside looking in, people would think, man, you must be nice. I heard that so many times must be nice. And little did they know, like my life's in shambles, like personally, relationally, my wife and I, we had a, a good marriage, but it wasn't great. Right. We were, we're drinking every night. We're you know, just living the good life, right? The worldly life. Then it was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. Is, is it, am I just supposed to start another business and just go make more money? And while some people listening right now, they may be like, hell yeah, I want to do that. Right. Like it, it was, it was fun for a period of time in my life, but here's what I realized. Money is not everything until you don't have enough of it. Right. And some of you listen and maybe like, yeah, I know that. Right. Because right now, when you don't have enough of it, it becomes your everything. It's what you're all you're always constantly looking for and, and striving for and thinking about. And and but when you have enough of it, and it's like there's more, there's got to be more to life. And that was where where my wife and I were at. And it was just this this straight up feeling of unfulfillment. There's no toy, there was no jet, there was nothing that was gonna satisfy me from this feeling of unfulfillment. And that's when I realized that as whether you're a Christian or not right? You're, if you're a believer or not, if you believe in God or not, you can be incredibly su su successful. Okay. You can be con incredibly successful at a lot of things and still feel like a failure. And, and the reason for that is, is, is if you're not 
operating for the God-given intended purpose of why you were created, you will always feel like a failure, right? I got a, so I have a gym here in my home basement. I have a treadmill, man. That thing is an incredible clothes hanger. Yeah. Incredible clothes hanger, but yeah. it's not operating for why the manufacturer made it. We have all been, think of us this way. We have all been created by a manufacturer. God had, had created us in his image. And until we are operating for the God given intended purpose of why you were created, you will always have that feeling of unfulfillment in your life. And that's exactly where I was at. And I realized I wasn't created just to build a business. I wasn't created just to make money. I wasn't created just to, to, uh, even just to, to be a parent, like even that mindset, we are created in his image to be in relation with him and to glorify him in everything that we do. And that's why we talk about having this idea of excellence, whatever I put my hand to, if you're a, a stay at home dad, if you're a janitor, if you're a plumber, if you are a NASCAR driver, I, whatever you are, be excellent. Whatever you put your hands to be excellent and, and operate in that excellence. But until you know him and you have a relationship with him as your creator, you will always have that feeling of unfulfillment. I have no doubt in my mind. I've, I see it in, in a lot of my friends that have still yet to fully surrender and, and like just understand that they are in need of a savior. And, and, and until that actually is, has that realization mentally, but more so emotionally and in your heart, you are, you're just going to always feel that way. And you're going to move to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. It's always window dressing. And so it's like, you know, it's shuffling the deck chairs on the Titanic. It's like, okay, you're crushing, you know, you've, you got the perfect body. You got the perfect wife. You got the perfect house. You got the perfect everything. And I live in a, a, a community where there is a lot of that. There are a lot of people that are perfectly put together, but their lives are absolutely in shambles because Christ isn't at the center of it. And so I think that that's incredibly important. Now you brought a lot of things up uh, there, Riley, that I want to kind of get back to. There's a reason when we're looking at scripture, why, Jesus talks about money so much. There's a reason why money is brought up so many times in the scripture because it's important. You you don't spend a lot of time talking about things that aren't important. So, but also if you're Jesus, you want to talk about things that are going to be potential stumbling blocks for people because there in, in my career, there have been times of extreme plenty and times where we were like, you know, when we first got married, I've told this on the show before, like we bought one of those big pizzas from Sam's and it wouldn't fit in our little bitty, you know, refrigerator in our 500 square foot, you know, duplex we were living in, but it was below freezing outside. So we set it outside. We're like, all right, we're going to make this in the morning. We go out there and apparently a raccoon or something had eaten it. And like, you know, it's a funny story now, but at the time, like we calculated that was going to be like three meals for my wife and I, yeah. and we're like 22 yeah. years old. And, you know, cause so I've seen the entire gamut. I've ran the entire gamut of all this kind of stuff, but I think you're right when you don't have enough money to where you can to where you can just breathe to where you're not stressed about the bills being paid, stressed about the creditors calling or those different things, you don't have peace. And it's very, very hard to have peace. So again, it's not worshiping money because money doesn't fix you and it doesn't save you, but having enough of it does help you to be able to focus on those other things mentally. But what all that kind of comes down to for a lot of people, Riley, and you probably knew I was going to go here is prosperity gospel. Like, hey, man, if you just follow me and send me some of your money, I'm going to make sure I bless that money and it's going to come back to you tenfold. Why? Because I'm wearing a nice suit and I'm on stage with a microphone. Like, that's the idea. When Christians start talking about money, and they start talking about the blessings of the Lord and look at how much money I've created and look how big of my businesses are and look how much I made when I sold it and all that kind of stuff. People immediately go there and say, 
What exactly are you advocating for? So when someone brings that up, I know that's not the first time someone said that to you. What do you say? What do you say to them? Yeah. Yeah. It comes back again to what I had said before. You got to believe the entire book right? You, you don't get to just cherry pick and take one scripture and, and run with it, right? Because if you, if you have that mindset, cool, you're going to have poverty gospel or you're going to have prosperity gospel. And I want the gospel. That's all I give a rip about. I don't care. And yeah, th- those dudes that are like, Hey, buy my prayer, my green prayer cloth, right? Like yeah. they're going to get what's coming to them. What mm-hmm. I, you know, so, <laughs> and, but that's a hundred percent, not what I'm talking about. Scripture tells us that it is God that gives us the ability to create wealth. Okay. And whether a lot of people, um, man, I, th- I think you mentioned like Bezos and, 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 um, uh, even Bill Gates, <laughs> um, these guys that are maybe doing it for a wrong purpose an intended purpose for wrong. A lot of them are still operating by, by God given principles within the Bible on, on how to, how to operate. Right. And first off, I do want to just say we have a skewed p- approach to to money and, and wealth and un- everything. If you live in America, I think most of your listeners probably are here in the U.S. And so we have su- we're so freaking blessed to live in this country as jacked up as it is. We are still blessed. And that's why we need to continue to fight for what's right in this country. Um, but we, we have the opportunity to make an insane amount of money compared to other areas of, of the world. And, and this again is we, if it's God that gives us the ability to create wealth, he, he also, whether I'm in, you mentioned, man, it's when you have money, you have peace. And I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you on that. And even in our listeners, because I've gone through this and I've even recently, dude, the, the things that we're, we're declaring, I've got a, a three series book coming out, the kingdom entrepreneur series, talking specifically on entrepreneurship and then kingdom money principles. And one of the first ones being tithing, right? If, if, and, and this is where a lot of pastors are like, they, they squirm in their seat. They just hate talking about money because they don't want to lose their, their congregation, their membership within the church when that's what they got to hit it dead on. Cause you got to understand that if, and this is, this starts at the top though. If your pastor is like that and squirming and uncomfortable, then he's got to get a girl a set and actually lead, right? He needs to yeah. lead the way that the Bible tells us because tithing isn't for God. God doesn't need your money. I literally, you think he's right, I literally just wrote down, God does not need your money. Yeah. We're yes. on the same page. Of course. Dude, he's, you think he's like, man, I, I got rent coming up this week, man. I hope these I guys really talk. Wish I had some extra money to do whatever I need right. to do as the creator Seriously. of the cosmos. Seriously. And so what it is guys and, and who you tie to, if first off, if you, if you tie, if you're a Christian tied to your local church, whoever you're getting fed by spiritually, right? Who is that spiritual authority in your life? That's what, what I believe where the tithe needs to go. Okay. It should hopefully be your local church. Um, but the tithe isn't even necessarily for them. Yes, they have, but the tithe, the principles, the spiritual principles, because here's the thing, money is a spiritual, it, it, it operates in the spiritual realm. I want to say that it doesn't operate in the natural realm that we think. Okay. And this may get people a little kind of like, what the heck is this guy talking about here? But here's what I'm saying. I promise you that the day that I committed to tithing, I was 24 years old. I had, I had had six figure businesses mid to low six figure businesses. I'd never done over a million dollars in my life. The day that I committed to, to tithing, I was 24 years old. That net very next year, actually within six months, I had done $2.1 million in revenue. 
the next year, 12 million, the next year, 12 million. And here's the deal. I didn't, I didn't give to get right. We're not, we don't, we're, this isn't the type of like, we're going to the casino and I'm going to give to get, but there is a spiritual principle at play here. And it, it comes down to obedience, right? And, and tithing is what I believe. I believe there are four kingdom money principles, ownership, and that God owns everything. Okay. You don't own it. Right. And here's, here's the, the, here's a good test for you. If there is something in your life that you, you str- would struggle to give away, I would challenge you that you don't own that. That thing owns you, whether it's your house, your car, your favorite watch, right? If, if you're and you're like, if somebody said, give that to me, rich young ruler for those in the, in the Bible, like, Hey, you got to give this away. And if it's like, I don't want to do that. You don't own that, that thing, that material possession owns you. And, and as an act of obedience back to tithing as an act of obedience, it is, it's just like, I'm going to give the 10% cause that's where it starts. And then from there, if I, if I can give above and beyond, I'm, I want to make myself available to, to what God needs, right? Not, not what God needs, excuse me, to what God puts on my heart to fulfill somebody else's need. Again, God doesn't need your money, but part of being so blessed to live in this country, we have, we are, we have so many opportunities at hand to make money. And ultimately the Bible tells us you cannot serve two masters. And it talks more about money than it does about faith and salvation, like three times the amount combined. There's over 2,400 references in the Bible to wealth, money, and possessions. So if it's important for God to put it in the Bible, I think it's important for us to to talk about it, right? And for any pastors listening to this, grow a set of nuts and actually talk about this with your congregation because it ain't for you, it's for them. And if you're, if you partake in a, in a church or in that, that has this broke, broken, defeated mindset, step up to the plate and, and receive what scripture actually tells us about this, because it comes back to, to obedience and knowing that it's not what somebody else is going to do with it. It's what, what God has told us to do, how to act in spiritual principles that apply from ownership. I'm going all over the place here, Kyle, but some, somehow I'm going to get back to the, the point here. No, There's good. ownership right? There's stewardship. Okay. So God owns everything. There's stewardship. Like we are managers. We are managers of what he's given us. And if we steward with the little, some of us have a lot right now. Some of us had a little, but no matter what steward, well, what you have, because as a steward, we're called to, to manage. And if you think of a, if any of you have a money manager right now, you don't give your money to a money manager and be like, Hey, just don't lose that. Right. And, or you wouldn't even be happy if he just stayed the same. You give it to him to grow, to multiply. Right. If you have a financial advisor and he comes back and he's like, yeah, we didn't make anything this year. You'd be like, uh, I'm going to find another advisor. Right. Which is exactly what the master did in the parable of the talents. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's the, if you guys haven't read this before, the parable of the talents, the master, there's there's three servants here. He gives each of them according to their ability. This is what scripture says. And right when I read that, I read this hundreds of times, but when I had the revelation of this, I was like, he gave each of them according to their ability. I was like, cause originally I'm like, well, why'd one get one? Why'd one get two? And why'd one get five? Like, that's not fair. Like how many of us think that way right now? Like it's not fair, right? Well, first off life ain't freaking fair. The master gets to choose who he's given what to, but it's based upon their ability. Okay. And when I realized that I was like, Oh snap, how do I make, I want to be the one that that's able. I want to, I want the guy, I want to be the one that gets five. And here's what we've broken this down to. Our ability is based upon three things. When we, when we read this parable of the talents, number one, it's our availability. 
right? Are we making ourselves available to God? Are we putting ourselves in a position in which we can make a decision or act when prompted, right? And, and this is, comes back to entrepreneurship, man. What I'm saying is, is a lot of people are working a nine to five job and they, they physically, they can't do certain things because they're tied to a job. They are serving money in their poverty. I'll come back to that. Okay. Right. Because there's, we can't serve two masters. Right. Um, but so if, if this is why I love entrepreneurship, leveraging time so we can, we can ultimately get money to leverage money. So we have time. So we're, we're, we're given according to our ability based upon the availability. Are we making ourselves available to God? Have we put ourselves in a position where financially I'm not stressed, right? I, and, and it's not money that gives us peace. I know that you said that it's not absolutely not money that gives us peace. Cause I know broke, broken people that are at peace. They have incredible peace. Okay. And one of them, you know, extreme highs, I had a lot of money and I had some of the most anxiety ridden times in my life. Mo, the great theologian, Biggie Smalls, mo money, mo problems mm. is very true. <laughs> right? So it, it, it's not peace. It's not money that gives us peace. Now, if we, if we've steward well, if we've, if we've lived a life or if we've now chosen to live a life that's going to steward well, we can now make ourselves available. Okay. So make, we're making ourselves available. Now I'm going to, am I going to be responsible enough? The parable of the talents, again, he gives according to their, their ability based upon their availability, those that are being responsible, the, the one that had one just buried it. The one that had two went and put it to use. This is why as entrepreneurs, if you're, if you're a believer, we are to, Saving money is yes, there's, there's some wisdom to save, right? But there's more wisdom to put it to use. How you make money serve you is you put it to use. The guy who had two doubled it. The guy who had five doubled it again. The, the one who had one, the master came back to basically uh, be accountable, right? That's the third thing. Our ability is availability, responsibility, and then accountability. We're going to be accountable one day or another, right? Right now you're probably accountable to your boss, maybe your employees, maybe your spouse, your kiddos, you're accountable. But at some day you're going to kick the bucket and you're going to be accountable. And my, my life at this point has, has been committed to, I only want to hear these words and it is well done, good and faithful servant. Like that is the, the, the purpose of why I am alive at this point in time in my life. And, and the reason that the, the gentleman, the servant who just buried it, he had one. It was because what I believe was his mentality of who the master was. I believe that that our 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 thought process, our understanding of God, is in in direct correlation with our thought process of money, right? So this servant, he was scared when he came back. The master came back. The servant said, "I knew you to be a hard man. I knew you to be a hard man. So I just buried it." didn't put it to use. So when he comes, and this is the funny thing, if you actually read it, he doesn't even say here it is. He says, it's over there. I buried it. It's like over there. Like the other two are like, I did two. Here's four. I did five. Here's 10. And the, the, the servant who buried it, it's like, it's, I buried it and it's over there. It's like how wicked and lazy. He literally calls him wicked and lazy, takes the one and gives it to the others that actually put it to use. These are kingdom principles here that if we can actually get under these and operate that we are to steward money. So ownership, stewardship, right? The, the third one is going to be worship, which is tithing. 
And then the fourth one is kingship, which is how we, what, when we get into like true principles and, and laws of sowing and reaping, we, 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 we reap what we sow, not just financially, but with our words and all, and all other things. But I've been talking for a long time, man. I'm going to throw it back to you. Reel me back in here. As you can tell, I get pretty fired up about no, this. No, you're good. And so like, I, th- I think that was easy f- for people to follow because it all kind of comes back to that same central theme, which is that money in and of itself is an inanimate object. It doesn't do yes. anything. It doesn't change who you are. It elevates who you already are. And it may reveal some things about you once you get access to it. But a point that you made uh, a little bit ago was about pastors that listen to this. And I know there are pastors that listen to this. Like, always, you always need to remember that your flock does need direction. Does that mean that you need to be preaching the news cycle? Not necessarily. But what it does mean is that if you're not talking about money, do you assume that your your flock has a godly view of money or are they perhaps taking their cues about money from the world? So don't be shocked when your flock doesn't know anything about money, but when they're sitting in your pews or in your chairs on Sunday and you don't talk about it, and then they do what the world tells them to do, and then you castigate them for it. It's like, bro, like, It is on them to read the Bible, but it's also on you to lead them. So I think that that's very important. But where a lot of this kind of coalesces to, Riley, is, you know, you've done a lot of things in business, but how you and I got connected was something called King's Council. So if you're watching this, this has been behind you the entire time we've been talking is King's Council. So this... I don't want to mess up exactly what it is because I know what it is to me in my experience because you did invite me to kind of come speak uh, to one of your groups, which is uh, was a lot of fun. I got to do that a few weeks ago. But explain to us, you know, the outworking of your Christian faith inside of entrepreneurism and how that led to the King's Council. Yeah, man. Yeah, thank you, dude. So this is truly uh, back again three years ago when I just had this feeling of unfulfillment. And I'd been a part of business masterminds and, and groups that are like, you know, coming together to, to, to be better businessmen, to, to grow, to, to actually make more money. But at the end of the day, none of them were rooted in what I considered truth, right? What actual truth, not your truth or her truth or his truth. Like what is truth? The, the foundation of the Bible, right? And, and as I scanned the internet, essentially, uh, in 2019, kind of going into 2020, I was like, there's nothing out there that, that has this purpose, like that can be bold. Like it's a lot of these Christian communities and this isn't a shot on Christian community. I am a a Christian, but a lot of them are just like these weak, freaking timid, woe is me mentalities. Even the ones that are, that are in like business meetings, it's like, let's come together and have coffee. Like, no, I want to have a freaking Red Bull and go work out and talk business, right? Like let's do that together. And I didn't see anybody that was doing that. And I, I, so right then it's like, well, if, if, if it's not out there, maybe we should create it. And, and that was just kind of the, the start of what's, what's known as the King's council now. And a lot of it was birthed out of, of March of 2020. And, and it, with the moment, like just the news, the media, everything that was going on, I was just like sitting back going, what in the crap is happening? This world is falling to pieces right? Like, I don't even know, like, what is even happening? My daughter was eight at the time. I was sitting in my office. She came in as I was scrolling social media, of course, getting really fired up. And I was like, I looked down on her and she came and asked me a question. And I just thought, I cannot leave. This is, call it my intuition, call it God. I cannot believe, I, I cannot leave this earth the way it is without doing something for her. That was immediately, but as quick as I've had that feeling, I felt, who am I? What, am, what can I do 
about it. And as quick as that feeling came, quicker came, if not you, then who? And that comes back to, I really believe this under entrepreneur mindset of the undertaker. And I was like, all right, all right. So we, I just started to raise my hand, like, okay, I, I, this is what I'm about. Does anybody else have this thoughts or these feelings? And, and believe it or not, we did an online challenge and, and we had multiple people that, that like expressed this same thought process or ideas, uh, didn't have necessarily community, uh, whether they went to church or not. Uh, it's just like, it's, we've created a community. So the King's council, man, we are, we started out as a, as a coaching company. Like I was charging people to be a part of this community and it was great, right? Like we, we we've had over, you know, three, 400 people that have come through our, our coaching program, which has been great. Um, but I just felt over the last like six months, like what my heart has been really broken for the church here in America. Right. And I think it's completely whack, not all right. I'm going to say, take that into consideration that there's some amazing churches that have really grown through everything and, and are leading by example. But with, again, what I read in, in the, in the Bible and what, how we are to operate as the body of Christ. Like, I don't see that happening in the majority of churches, buildings that people are going to for a motivational seminar on Sunday and then living the life that whatever the heck they want throughout the rest of the week. And especially entrepreneurs, we, we think differently. We're a little different, right? And again, you don't have to be having your own business at this point. You could still be working, but you feel a little different. Like if you were the kid in class growing up, that was always like ADD or, you know, roaming around and like that you're, that's okay. It's absolutely okay. We think differently. And, and here's the thing. I realized that while some church organizations and groups serve certain organizations. Well, it usually is like whatever the senior pastor is most passionate about, like, that's what they're about. Like, uh, we're about missions or we're about, uh, leadership or we're about, uh, women's ministry, whatever it is. Like there's first off, they should be about Christ God. And, and then they should have resources for every single organization out there. Right. And, and, and it should, I mean, it, we need to be resourceful as, as the body of Christ. Like we need to be resourceful in doing this together. Not like, are you Lutheran or are you Presbyterian? Okay. No dancing in church. Okay. Uh, can I raise my hand? Like it's, it's so sickening to me on, on all the division within the local church and my heart with the King's council, we became a nonprofit ministry July one, because I really felt God just saying, this is how we're going to truly change the landscape in America here to start, I believe worldwide at some point, we're going to truly change the landscape of what people believe Christianity actually is based upon what, what someone's preaching from the front of the room, even though you've seen it now, like how many lead senior pastors are getting accused of molestation, all this crap. It's just like, it's, it's a, it's going to implode. And, and the, the true faithful undertakers are going to be there to lock arms with people to actually truly continue to lead this kingdom advancement. And, and that's what the King's Council is, is we want to come alongside the local church, local groups, local believers and serve the entrepreneurs as an extension of their existing ministry, whatever that is, like as an extension of it, let us serve those that maybe think a little different, right. That aren't that when, when we see something, it's like, Oh, how can I make this? How can I grow this? How can I scale this? Is there, can I, you know, make this better? We want to co-create with people. And that's really what the King's council is about. Now, first off, 
King's Council. I ain't a king, right? First off, I'm a I'm an I'm a king only because the great king, Jesus is king, created me in his image, just like you, Kyle. So Jesus is king. We are the king's council. Therefore, we sit on the council of the king. I want to be crystal clear. I ain't sitting here braggadociously saying I'm a king and and you're a king. And it's like, no, no. While I, I believe we can operate in that authority, we should have that spiritual authority on this earth to operate as kings and priests. That's what we are called. And we are told we are kings and priests. Right. So I can I can have authority in a, but I can also have a soft side like a priest. Right. Some of the most amazing people, amazing people, even throughout scripture, they were kings and priests. And, that, and I believe that's what we are. Now, if you feel like called in the entrepreneur space where it's like, I feel like I've been created to make money because here's the thing. So many Christians in, in the this in the Christian community just think, well, God's going to take care of it. Or here, here's their mindset. I'm not greedy. I just need enough for me. Like, why are you always trying to go get more? I just need enough for me. And I'd like to slap those people right upside the face and tell them they are the greediest person on the planet. Because if your mindset is that you you only need enough for you, who, are you kidding me? You are the greediest person that I know. Versus I, I never set an income goal without first set, setting a giving goal. Like that's, that's priority number one. Like I would love to tithe a million dollars this year. Well, that means I got to make a hundred million. Right. I would love to tie 10,000. I got to make a hundred thousand. Right. And then, then we can give above and beyond. And these are the principles that the first off, just the community that we've created, it's completely free. The King's council community, there's no charge in this. It's a, it's a ministry. We do growth calls every single Monday. We hop on live for our, our Monday growth calls. The one that you spoke on, man, which is epic. Uh, we do Bible study Wednesday mornings. Um, we're, we're launching the King's Academy, which I do I'm super stoked about. You got me talking about the, the kids, uh, uh, you know, indoctrination within the school system. We got the King's Academy starting, but at the, at the end of it, we are a group of, of kingdom entrepreneurs. We're, we're here to undertake. Yes. A lot of us have been given that, that ability to make money, to create wealth. And if you live in America, I would challenge you that it's, it's literally every single one of us. There are so many people in other countries that do not have the ability. I don't care what your race is. You ain't going to play the race card with me. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. I don't care. you. If you live in this country, you have every opportunity to make money, to create wealth. And you should. You should take that so seriously because for you to make even an additional 20 grand, 30 grand, 40 grand a year, that's you could change somebody else's life. If that's your heart, right? If you want to make it to go buy a car, whatever, I don't care. That's, that's between you. I don't give a rip like between your convictions that's between you and God. I've got mine, you've got yours, but I want to help people essentially come alongside, be that catalyst to be the best version of themselves there. So we can advance the kingdom. Right. Like that's what this is all about. I, I know that I I'm a millionaire. I'm fully confident I will be a billionaire for the king, the advancement of the kingdom of God. And that's what the King's Council is, is founded on is we are on mission. Our mission is to be provision for the vision of the kingdom of God, like of, of advancement. Right. And, and until he returns, scripture tells us that he ain't returning until every ear has heard I consider that a freaking challenge. 
And, and I do know that it is going to take an incredible amount of money. Can we pray about it and just expect God to drop uh, radios to people in, you know, the the swamp of wherever country it is and they're now they're going to hear the gospel? Sure, I guess. But I do know that God has called us. He created us to use us to work through us. And if we've been given that ability and, and he's not returning until that happens, I want to be the catalyst for the second coming of Christ. And that really is what I believe the King's Council is, is standing upon and who we're calling for to be a part of our community. Lock arms with us and let's advance. Like, let's go make money. Right. But let's be accountable to each other and let's let's uh, grow the kingdom of God all the while leading by example for our, our spouse. Okay. Cause here's the thing too, man, if, if, if making money is going to, is going to be a hindrance for your marriage, I will, I, I refuse to help and coach anybody that that'll, that, that that would be a hindrance. I believe God would rather have you broke and broken under a bridge, but in relationship in a rock solid relationship with your spouse than to have money hinder it. Okay. And I'm a prime example of, of what happened in that situation because Marriage second to God is your number. That's your number two. Okay. If that ain't solid and then your kids and then your business, if those, if those three aren't first and then your business, everything else is for not. Right. Well, and, and that's the foundational principles that, that we teach on within the King's council, man. Well, and Riley, just to kind of echo something that you said, cause again, I, I want to make sure people aren't hearing something that you're not saying, cause you're, you're trying to be clear, but then people will, will just take little things and they won't apply yeah. everything you're clearly not saying that God needs your money in order to do things because God is sovereign over all. But again, most of the ministries, I just want you guys to remember this. Most of the ministries that you support, which may be the local church, which you've already advocated that we do. It might be a local pregnancy resource center. It might be uh, undaunted life. It might be any of those types of things. Everything that those ministries do costs money. When you yes. walk into church on Sunday, what, what do you think is powering the air conditioning unit? Right. right. Like it, it's not hopes and dreams. Like it's not positive thoughts or positive vibes or prayers or any of those types of things, which is not to say that any of those things are not important. We're saying in the world that we create, we trade money and time for things that we want. Right. And so that's, that's what you're saying for the things that you want to do. I tell people all the time and I'm not sheepish about it, guys, we are mainly kept afloat by donations at Undaunted Life. Do yep. we, we want to build things out later to where we're going to be more sustainable to where donations are things that we can obviously redirect, but everything in order to keep the lights on costs money. And, and I'm okay with people talking about that. So I just wanted to kind of reiterate that. But one thing that I just heard about recently, Riley, because I was aware of the King's Council and obviously I came and spoke on it, but there's there's something different that you guys are doing, which to be honest, I'm not too terribly familiar with, but it sounds like it's called the Upper Room. I think I have the name right, yeah. but yes. this is kind of almost like the next level, if you will. And if I'm framing it improperly, go ahead and, you know, because again, I don't know that much about it, but I have heard of it. So you got King's Council, but then there's the Upper Room that is almost kind of like that next step, that that deeper involvement, like, hey, this is where the rubber starts to meet the road. So if I've, if I've described anything incorrectly, you know, correct the record, but what is the upper room? Yeah, man, you, you, you hit it on the head, really the upper room. So the King's council, as I mentioned, is there's no charge to be in it. If you want to give towards the ministry, amazing, right? Just like giving towards undaunted life people, you need funding, bro. Like people need to fund your operation here, right? So shout out to your listeners. If you guys like what, what Kyle is spitting here, consider giving to what he's doing because that doesn't, I mean, what he's doing is takes money. Okay. And, and it's partly why we're coming alongside and, and what we, you know, I, I want to be the catalyst even for the, the, 
the vision that you have, Kyle, to continue to take this, this content in, in the, the listeners that you have, like continue to grow, right? We're not called to just sit on it. Like, let's continue to grow this thing to advance this message to the marketplace. And this, so the King's council, it, that while that is a ministry, I, I do know that a lot of people need more one-on-one strategy. They need more coaching within their business. Okay. And so we've created the upper room as our, our really it's, it is a, we charge for it. Okay. It is a, a group that comes together. It's a mastermind. If you've ever been part of a mastermind, this is what I was a part of so much, uh, prior to, uh, the upper room I've involved in many different masterminds, but foundationally they weren't rooted on scripture, rooted in in the word of God. And so this ain't your normal mastermind. I do want to be crystal clear on that. We do get together once a month, either virtually or in person. We come together in person every other month for those that want to fly in. Uh, We have them host them in different spots throughout the country. Otherwise, virtually we're hopping on as a group. And it's truly an iron sharpening iron concept where we, we each share we, we, we share what we're in need of prior to this so that we can prepare in advance to, to deliver, to provide solutions. We come together not to just mope and talk about what the hell's going wrong in our lives and in businesses, but we're, we're solution minded and we're coming together to sharpen each other and then to, to leave, to p- apply actionable steps into our life. So we've, we've taken back to the, our ability things. We, we make ourselves available once a month myself and, and Scott Thomas and some other business coaches, all seven and eight figure earners. And then everybody else within the upper room comes together once a month. We, you also have access to one-on-one coaching with myself once a month. Um, a partly in, in addition to all sorts of tools and resources and templates and, and just business tools. So if, whether you're going from like, employed to deployed, we have, we, we're, we have in, incredible tools to serve you. Like, I don't even know how to start a business. I mean, I don't even have an idea. Sweet. That's you're right in the spot that I freaking love to work with, to pull that creativity out and, and then apply it into the marketplace. And, and those that are like, what we've really realized those that are crushing it, or maybe just like are doing well, they're maybe they're doing six, seven, eight figures, but it's like, I don't even know what am I doing? Maybe you're just like who I was in 2019 where it's like, is this it? Is this what I'm living for? And and if, if your vision, your vision guys is going to be what gives any sort of pain purpose in your life. I don't care if it's in, in accordance with the, your, your relationship with your spouse, with your kiddos uh, or your business. If you haven't gotten crystal clear on the vision that you have for your life, any circumstance that comes against you, Mike Tyson, I think said it best. Everybody's got a plan and, Till they get punched in the face, right? right? Punched in the face. Uh, and then it's like, what are you going to do? And this is part of like why this community is so important. And, and we can come together to hold each other accountable month over month. And, and ultimately then we're, we're available, we're responsible, we're accountable to be, to, to, to God's ability. So he can give us more to be responsible for. And that's truly what the upper room actually is about. It's like those that want to go to the next level, but it costs money to be a part of it. It's an application process. We don't just let anybody in this as much as we love your money, then just give to the King's council. But everything that goes into the upper room supports the King's council ministry as well, but it is an application process, man. And I, if is, is that all right with you, man? If I actually, if people want more information on that. Yeah. yeah. I, let I, our guys know exactly how they can get in touch with you. Beautiful dude. So if they just text the word upper room, so upper room, to seven two seven four seven two 
3860. I don't normally do these calls myself, um, but I want to do these one-on-one. Anybody to your listening audience, man, if they text the word upper room to 727-472-3860, you're immediately going to get an, an application sent back to you to fill out and then schedule a one-on-one. We'll hop on for 20 minutes you and I directly, whoever's listening to this and just talk about King's Council, maybe upper room, if you'd be a good fit or not. Right. So I, again, I don't normally do that for everybody as time is, is, is valuable, but I do want to do this for your listening audience, Kyle, and, um, and hop on individually with each one. Well, awesome, man. I, I was not aware that you were going to do that. So that is really awesome. So guys, I jotted that down as he was saying it. So again, and I'll put this in the show notes. I'll make sure I put this in the show notes, but it's text the words upper room to 727-472-3860. Uh, you'll get an application uh, to potentially uh, be a part of this because you have to apply and then the, they'll schedule a one-on-one with you. Did I get all the details right? You got it right, man. Okay. You got well, it right. I, I appreciate that. And, and as you were encouraging guys to, you know, if they like, and I encourage guys all the time, if you like content creators, start, you know, supporting them financially because dude, I was the worst about that. Like the, the amount of value I got from a company like the Daily Wire or PragerU or any of these other organizations. And I didn't give them a dime of my money, right? I was just doing all the free stuff. It's like, eventually I was like, no, you, you've got to start supporting these people. So the same thing would be true for you. Like guys, if, if this sounds interesting to you, it is literally worth your time to hop on a one-on-one because like, I know what you charge for a one-on-one and I know what, uh, how hard that is to do with your current schedule. So I really appreciate you, you making that offer available to our listeners. Now, but rather yeah. before we get you out of here, because I know you got other things that you got to take care of today. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming this, so you, you may not have anything to say and I could be shooting myself on the foot here, but I'm assuming that you're not just focused only on the King's Council and only on the businesses that you have right now. I get the sense that you're watching the horizon and watching mm. for some other things and maybe you got some other stuff in the can. Uh, you, you mentioned a, a three book series coming out and so we'll probably have to have you back on to talk specifically yeah. about that but what are things that you're looking for in the future? Is there anything that you can tell us right now in terms of what you're working on? Yeah, man. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So for, yes, the three book series is coming out the kingdom entrepreneur series. Um, it's the first book is fully done. It's, it's final editing right now. We'll be releasing that, uh, the second book in about a month and a half, two months, and then an, a, a third book. Then it'll be available as a set. It's, it's, it's going to be great, great, great content. Um, but right now, man, as you mentioned, kind of eye on the horizon, what's going on and back to March of 2020, if you remember before the King's council was even started, it was about me looking down at my daughter and having that, that feeling, right. That, that I'm going to, I'm going to say calling, right. The God giving calling and, and back to what, what I, I mentioned before, like you can be successful at a lot of things, but if you're not operating for the God given intended purpose of why you were created, which is relationship with him. And then from there, what you do, your career is not your calling. Okay. Your career is what you choose to do. Your calling is what you must do. And I'm super pumped to say that I I do know what I must do is to fulfill this God-given calling in my life to, to start the King's Academy. And, And that is the next generation, the youth program that we're rolling out these kingdom entrepreneur mindset shifts Cause I just think, man, if I, even at 15, I didn't, I didn't learn all this stuff at 15. It was over the last 20 years really. But if I could start to, to feed that into my daughter, into others of, of the like, it is our responsibility. Cause if we don't do it, 
Who else will? It is our responsibility to lead them in the way. And then once they get old enough to make their own decisions, that's on them then, right? But I'm going to do everything in my God-given power to lead them, to, to help them make decisions, make wise decisions, right? You mentioned in the school system, there definitely needs to be structure and order. We serve a God of structure and order. And what I want to do is put parameters in place based upon core values that Ellie has already even established in her young 10-year-old life, where she knows the decisions that she makes are based upon the core values that she's established, not what culture is putting on them or what what her classmates or society. And that's why I'm, I'm even excited for her to actually go into back into school and be that therm- that actual therm- our thermostat, not the thermometer, mm-hmm. right? And, and I believe if we want to if we want to change anything, if we want to live a legacy, if we want to leave a legacy, excuse me, we have to live our legacy right now as example for our kids to see, so we can pass that baton on to the next generation that are going to go into politics, that are going to be the next world leaders. Because if we don't do it, who else will? It's going to come down to the kingdom entrepreneurs. Man, that that's so cool because that's one thing that that we've been asked to do as well is like, okay, Kyle, this is great, the man stuff, but I I've got sons. Like, what do I do with these people? You know, in terms of the of the man stuff, and then how do I tell my daughters what a man should be? So it's great with what you guys are doing to to take the stuff that that you're learning now because you're you're teaching as you're learning. You're constantly taking in content and spewing out other content as well. I think that's going to be very very important for entire families to be able to go through your stuff. I mean, you think about these other yeah. entities, whether it's a Dave Ramsey or a Robert Kiyosaki, like they've got their main thing and then they've got the kids version and then they've got the family version. And there's, there's so many things that you could do. Those are just the two guys that came to mind in terms of the money side that, that that's very, very important for a lot of folks to do. But Riley, man, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of what you're doing. I'm a fan of the stuff that you've got going on. And I'm, I'm so thankful that you're willing to even share with our audience. Again, guys, I'll put that in the show notes. Again, I'll go back to my notes here. Text upper room to 727-472-3860 to get uh, the application and then schedule a one-on-one with you. But man, we've covered a lot of ground in the last uh, hour or so. Is there anything else you want to get off your chest? Bro, That I, this, I can't believe it's been an hour. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just do want to honor you, man, and what you're doing. I'm so grateful for for the charge that you're leading. And again, I do just want to encourage your your listeners, if you guys are, are liking this content, know that Kyle needs your support, right? And, and show, obviously, continue to listen, share it, get the word out there. But if you're moved and this is, is change your life, support him financially. So remember that that kingship principle, you reap what you sow. This is what it's if, if you're if you're receiving, it's only your obligation and your duty to sow back into that person that you're receiving from. All right. Very thankful for that. And thankful for you, Riley Meek. Thank you for coming on on Daunted Life of Man's podcast. See you, brother. There you go, guys. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Riley Meek. But before I let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. At Undaunted Life, our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So, guys, just a reminder, like, that was really cool that at the end he's like, hey, I want your guys to kind of have, you know, something with me. So, if, like, if you guys want to meet with him to talk to him a little bit more about the upper room, again, I've got my notes here. Just text the words upper room, so U-P-P-E-R, room, R-O-O-M, upper room, to 727 472 
3860. So 727-472-3860. My understanding is he's going to send you back an application and then you can schedule a one-on-one with him to kind of talk through this. So like, again, guys, just, you got to understand for a guy like Riley. And again, I, I record my intros and outros after the interviews. Like you never know what someone's going to be like on the interview. You never know what they're going to say. And so the fact that he said this and he offered this, knowing what I know about him and his inability to really get extra time, that's a really, really cool thing. It's a really, really unique thing that I hope a lot of you take advantage of. So the links I've got for you today, I've got a link to Riley's website, which links to most of the other stuff that we talked about and he talked about. And then one link specifically to King's Council, so you can check that out as well. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to the show. We do appreciate it. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is our song Cutting the Ties, which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album Leveler. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience, keep seeking the Lion of Judah. <laughs>